What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Game On, sports podcast for everyone. We got the crew back together again, the 305 boys from Miami, happy as can be today. Got Carlos in the house with his Dolphins gear back there. Danny wearing a Notre Dame shirt, not sure why. <laughs> um, but he's Long a Dolphins fan. So we're one, okay. two, three, four, five. Five, Five in a, in a row, row, baby. Fins. That's a, that's insane. That's insane. And then, and we'll get into, and we'll get into the week. But crazy ending, Bills and Cardinals, to make you guys even more happier. That's insane. But uh, <laughs> today, two weeks in a row, we have a, a, a special guest. Today, we're bringing on Zach Fisher, who is the marketing director for the University of Missouri Athletics. Zach, how are you today, man? That's yeah, associate director. I, I would like to be the the full director but that's that's okay uh so it's going good uh it's uh not too cold here in columbia missouri so can't oh. complain at the moment well it's snowing here so thanks a lot well it was i i drove about i drove all day today i had to drop my daughter off and it was snowing and went, we're under a wind advisory till 10 o'clock and it's like 38 degrees out so that's a blast um so Whatever, Carlos. Whatever, Zach. I get it. We understand. I mean, you know, so I've, if you want to send some of that down here, I'm okay. I, I'm okay. absolutely okay with that. You don't want none of that, man. You don't want that smoke. You don't want none of that. It's so, so Zach, not a lot. Not a lot of it. Zach, I, it's it's awesome that you came on the show. We thank you for coming on. Um, wanted to, you know, get a little bit of information about what you do exactly for Mizzou. I mean, you know, SEC team, big conference. Uh, you know, I'm a Gator fan. I'm sure you're not happy about that, but we'll, 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 we'll get along anyway at least for today. <laughs> Shake my head. <laughs> <laughs> He's so mad. So mad. Um, we actually met uh, discussing Notre Dame, and I'm sure we'll get to that as well. But um, tell us a little bit of what you, what you do for Mizzou and uh, what exactly uh, you're looking forward to and, and how you go about it, because there's obviously more sports than football. So you have to take care of all of that. So, yeah, walk us through that. Yes, yeah, so I'm originally a Northern Indiana native, so that's uh, that was what uh, anything you t- talk about South Bend. I'm from Elkhart, so it's always good to uh, uh, to you. hear about that kind of stuff. But uh, I'm the associate director of marketing for the University of Missouri. Um, I have three sports, so um, I have uh, soccer in the fall, typically uh, women's basketball. Um, also, have about men's basketball, and then I'm on the the on field contact for football when we are allowed to go on the field. Uh, which uh, you're not allowed to this year. And then um, I have baseball in the spring, which uh, is its own animal in itself. But uh, then I control, um, I, I oversee uh, some other things uh, that our department does and then help out. It's uh, with, a, with COVID restrictions and everything, everyone kind of does a little bit of everything. And then of course, um, um, I service in the Marines. Uh, I was, uh, I'm the military liaison for the athletic department at the moment. Uh, so anytime we do, uh, we were supposed to have a military appreciation game uh, this weekend, but obviously uh, that did not happen. Um, so that was always a big, a big deal with our, uh, our department. And so what, what exactly, I know we spoke a little bit prior to the show, but what exactly happened this week? I know the game against Georgia was canceled. Um, well, not canceled, postponed. Um, so what exactly, what was the issue that I know it, it was pr- probably due to COVID, but what exactly happened? So from what I've been told is that we had a player test positive in a position group and uh, of course, contact tracing, if, uh, if you lose, like, say, the tight ends, I don't, I don't remember which uh, position group. I don't think it was ever announced, actually, what the position group was. If that, uh, if that is eliminated, the SEC says you have to have so many of each position. Um, I, I believe that was the, uh, the, the cause for cancellation was, uh, was one that. And it's, it's simple as that. You could have one case, but if it's in the you know, offensive line, you have 30 of them or whatever, you know, you can still play. Um, but uh, for us, that, I think, believe it was one position. Uh, from what I've been told, I, I believe it was one position. I don't know which, uh, which one it is, and that, that'll wipe you out. But so – Simple as that. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it, 
That, it, it sucks this year because it's it's the SEC was one of the teams that has stated, look, we're going to play from the beginning of the year, which I was proud of being an SEC guy myself. Um, was happy to see that. Then you have teams, you know, in the Big Ten, Pac-12, MAC, and the MAC doesn't really matter, but they are still <laughs> one. So that's you know, oh, there neither here nor there. But the best conference in the in, in the NCAA, <laughs> the MAC. No, I'm that was a joke. Oh, I was going to say, uh-oh, I went to Eastern Michigan University. <laughs> Definitely not the best conference in the world. Uh-oh. I honestly have no idea who's even in that conference. So. Well, I just told you one, and that's all you need to know because you probably never heard of them. Um, no, but it's tough because, I mean, Florida had – they had to postpone a game against LSU for something like that, same, same issue. But the SEC hasn't been hit as hard – as some of these other conferences, you look at the Big Ten, you look at things like that. I mean, what is some of the protocol that that they're doing? And I'm I'm not sure if you can discuss it or not, but you know, especially in the SEC, that they're you know putting on you guys and and how you guys operate. What exactly what exactly are they doing different than obviously last year when your job was probably easier? <laughs> well, I mean, the biggest thing for us obviously is 18% attendance. I mean, that that takes out millions and millions of dollars of ticket mm-hmm. revenue. Um, you're, it just, it, it changes the game flow. Obviously we were not allowed to be on the field or anywhere near the athletes. Um, but, the, really the biggest is attendance because you so limited and, uh, that really impacts, you know, your revenue streams, which impact other things, you know, mark, you know, budgets. And that really is impactful for an athletic department. That I think a lot of people don't really talk about is, is especially the basketball season has come in. I think a lot of people were expecting maybe to be back to normal, but it's, it, it's not obviously, if not even getting worse. Uh, so you got to think about the revenue streams is the always the biggest things, um, playing the games. Uh, you got to think about the TV schedules. You have to play the games in order to get the TV revenue. Um, so everyone's always talking about that, but, uh, from a, from a student athlete standpoint, uh, I believe they're getting tested, uh, two, three times a week. Um, they're all constantly in protocol. Uh, they get their head scans before they come in the facility. Um, obviously a lot of schools are doing remote classes, so that's impactful for them. So they're staying out of the classroom. I mean, they're still going to class, obviously being good student athletes, but they're, uh, they're out of there, which reduces their risk. So, um, if you have a campus campus like Notre Dame, who is very uh, secluded and very uh, tight knit, it's a lot easier. But you have 27,000 students at University of Missouri. It's kind of hard to, um, you know, if one, you know, if you have a small outbreak here and there, it, it really impacts um, if they're around your athletes or not. So you got to try to keep them away as much as possible. But also, you know, they still have, still have responsibilities. They're still students. So they're still going. So um, it's really been impactful. It's, you're going to see it a lot in basketball. The, the, a lot of schools will have their benches arranged differently. Um, you won't have anybody on the court again like that. National anthems, pep bands, uh, marching bands, obviously it reduced capacity. I mean, it's really changed the kind of game environment. And of course, I hope you guys are in the Big Ten. I mean, not having fans at all. I mean, that's a really a big, uh, it's real or just, or I think it's, I think you guys up in the Big Ten um, just have family. So you got to talk about the, you know, I think Ohio State's lost like $100 million or something like that on just ticket revenue alone. So it's going to change the game, but also it's going to maybe give us a little bit of insight on how going forward we can, re- you know, uh, simplify our budgets and also maybe some of those uh, re- you won't see maybe some new facilities being built anytime soon hopefully um, uh, but but we'll see we'll see yeah I mean it's it, it's been crazy and I was going to ask you about that with basketball because I mean we this whole pandemic started and it canceled the tournament and I was always wondering I know they're looking to start basketball season but now you sort of touched on that like the the actual landscape of it like is it still going to be a full schedule for the sec or, or just, I mean, I'd say in general, like, is that going to be a full schedule? Are they going to space the games out more or play more? Obviously, you know, you normally at the beginning of the year, you play out of your out of conference games and then you play your conference games. 
Now, is that going to change sort of like football where it's just been conference games? That's it. No. So uh, in the SEC, at least I can speak to our conference. We have a full, uh, relatively full slate. I think it's down three or four games this year. Um, uh, A lot of people's schedules were really, really late because they were hoping to play in those bubble tournaments and things like that up Mm -hmm. in uh, Connecticut. There's one in uh, Orlando. I'm not sure if Mizzou is a part of any of those. Um, but so, yeah, we have a full non-conference schedule. Um, it goes from November 25th, which is the day before Thanksgiving, um, all the way through the SEC, I think has built a weekend on the back end so that if any of our games are postponed or, um, postponed or canceled for whatever, I don't say canceled, but postponed, pushed back. The, the trick for these is going to be is that one case can really knock out an entire team. And, you know, if you bump around or the schedule is going to move. So we have a lot of TB, TBD, you know, game times. Uh, I think that's wise on trying to figure out how we can um how we can best you know move things around if necessary obviously our our point is we have a schedule we're going to try to play it as, as full as, as possible um so and and uh for my women's basketball team we're playing on black friday it was the first game obviously wow. you know quarantines and you know some states are saying that if you travel to their state you have to quarantine for so many days and you know so there's there's a lot of things that maybe people don't think about is is hey if you leave columbia missouri and go to somewhere else what does that mean when you come back is you know especially as as, as travel goes typically sec schools will um all they'll um charter flight everywhere obviously budgets being restricted and things like that you have to look at how the travel is if you're traveling through major airports or if you're just chartering planes so the I mean, basketball season is gonna be fun buckle up it's gonna be uh, <laughs> interesting i think rick Pitino was saying we should start later like in january and play through may which is um, I think privately something that maybe some coaches are thinking about. I, mean, I can't speak for Mizzou. I don't have any insight on that, but um, it's going to be an interesting spring. We'll say that. Uh, May madness instead of March madness. Uh, it still, still rings a little bit of a bell. Uh, that's not that's not a bad idea. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... with the uh, with, with the traveling, are is there like um, is it going to be a bubble traveling, or is every school going to every school? Uh, I th- we're playing our normal, we're playing a normal schedule in the SEC. We're playing, I think five home and homes. And then I think it's six. I think, it's, I think you play the other division or something like that six times. It's a, it's a pretty normal schedule from, from our aspect, but, uh, uh, I mean, going off of, we had a return trip to a few schools that, you know, Princeton's not playing women's basketball this year. They're not playing any sports this year. So obviously moving that around, uh, we didn't get the SEC, the start date for the NCA, so I think like middle of October. So there's a lot of schedules out there that are probably still aren't finished or they're still trying to work around. So uh, uh, November 25th, Mizzou plays, um, and then obviously uh, 27th is the women's first game. So we're hoping to play a full schedule. We'll see how it goes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, because that's one of the things that 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 I thought about is you know you look at what's going on and how progressively worse it's getting. Um, and you look at look at us, me and Danny. I can't even go to Chicago because you have to fourteen day quarantine if you go to Chicago. Like I can't even drive there without a state plate right now, like that. And it, it yep. it's insane, especially for you know the SEC. Most of it, I think you. I mean, you're pretty close to a lot of the schools. I mean, I think you're one of the further schools, to be honest. Out of you know everyone else, depending on who you play, but uh, you know, like teams like Florida, where you have like Georgia everything's right there. Um, that's, that's one of the things like I thought that they were going to do with the football team. Um, but that's not, I, I guess that's not true. And you guys are going full steam ahead on that. Now, what about, what about when, have you heard anything about baseball as well, or is it too early to tell because it's not even the holidays yet? Uh, we haven't said anything about, at least from what I've heard officially, we haven't heard anything from baseball season. Um, 
one of the things that I don't think a lot of people realize is that all the fall sports are playing in the spring as well. So we had a, we had a fall soccer season, a, soccer, a spring volleyball season, and then you have to do all of those again in the spring. And it's going to put a lot of pressure on a lot of athletic departments to not only play all these games and to do it safely, but also to, you know, the different venues. If you're, if your basketball team is also playing, you know, have the home venue with your volleyball team, you have to spread those dates out and you have to spread everyone out. Mm. So but uh, we haven't heard anything from baseball season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it, it starts a little bit later, just in the year, just to kind of kind of mix in with the winter sports a little bit. But uh, I would expect pretty much everything normal, especially in the SEC where you have schools like LSU and Mississippi State. And um, Florida is one of another big ones that, you know, has a large revenue base. I mean, I think LSU lost, you know, 15 something million dollars last year, just on baseball season alone being not played. So there's going to be a lot of uh, emphasis on the SEC to play sports. Uh, but also we got to figure out how to do it safely. And also we have to not be able to overstretch our staffs so that uh, we can put these games on and uh, not wear people out. No, no, absolutely. And, 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 you know, it's funny. So we had a guest on uh, last week, Grace from uh, the, she had, she's got balls podcast. Uh, awesome girl. She went to her first Gators game this weekend against Arkansas. And I watched a video that she put out there. It does not look like 18% attendance. It look oh, the swamp look at least 50% full. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. insane. Well, I, you, I, sort of, yeah, I know, but <laughs> I mean, and a- 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 M's the same way you look at their stadium and it looks, it looks more than halfway full, but I promise you here at Mizzou, we haven't, uh, we haven't stole over 18%. I promise you that. No, that's that's what I was trying to compare. I didn't know if that was like an SEC rule or if it was the, every school does it differently. Uh, I think I think the one thing that has this uh, this uh, virus has really shown is that the NCA is, is really spread out. And, it, you know, each conference has done everything differently. But not only that, each school has done everything differently. Each state has a, a different percentage that they cap it at. Uh, I think the Big Ten of the conference said we're not doing, you know, any fans. The SEC left it up to each individual school. I believe Vanderbilt's probably – I don't think Vanderbilt's having anybody at basketball games this year uh, or football. I mean, they're a little bit different, than, you know, obviously, being in Nashville versus most of the other schools are in college towns and yeah. not in a large city. Um, so, I mean, it it's all depends on school. I think most schools are about 20 25%, but some states – um, have opened up a little bit more and are allowing bigger things. Obviously, Dan Mullen at Florida has wanted a full a full stadium. I don't think that'll happen, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, each school each school will put out a public number, and maybe it's a little different here and there. But for the most part, I think schools have been, for the most part, have sticking to whatever percentage they sit at state. I mean, you look at A and M, you look at Florida, and they have they have a lot of people there, and you're you know they see their percentages, but um, you just kind of have to trust what the school is saying is what it's going to be, and go from there. Yeah, and 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 one of the things I wanted to ask you. Uh, as, as and you know, one of the guys in athletics in college and being from Northern Indiana and a Notre Dame fan, how cringe were you when you saw Notre Dame fans rush the field against Clemson? I, I did not, I, I did not grow up a Notre Dame fan, I grew up a Tennessee fan, so I will, I was making fun of a lot of my Irish friends. Uh, but uh, Notre, Notre Dame is, is an interesting case, being one of one, it's a private institution, too, they 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 test way more often than in the, in the other. The, you, they have mandatory testing versus the public school. It's going to be pretty impossible to do mandatory testing at a yeah. school like Mizzou uh, or Tennessee or anything like that. Also, they I think they have set protocols in that have tested their students. They tested every student before they went to the game. Uh, in order to have a ticket, you had to be, have a negative test. But it, it, that being said, it's not the greatest look when your student body rushes the field. And uh, it's more and more of a concern coming from the athletic side is I was not really concerned about Notre Dame students. I was worried about the Clemson players and making sure that 
you know, none of their players get knocked out a week or something like that because they tested positive because they came in contact with the Notre Dame student or something like that. So I'm more worried about it from my end on the liability end of, hey, I'm not impacting the opposing team's fans. Um, but I don't think you'll be seeing any more field uh, rushing uh, anytime soon <laughs> from Notre Dame. Thanks, Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so saying that you're not a Notre Dame fan, and let's leave the topic of COVID because that it gets depressing. I think we've talked about it for the last nine months and I'm sick and tired of it. Obviously everyone is, but the way me and you started talking about sports and coming on the podcast is you defended Notre Dame. <laughs> That's why I thought you were a Notre Dame fan because I was kind of dogging on them for not joining a conference. Obviously they did this year that I don't know if they're going to stay in the ACC, but I mean, yeah, exactly. What I mean, what is your what is your thought on that? I mean, now that we're finally talking and not typing on Twitter, why <laughs> wh- why why do you see that that's not that big of a deal? And then we'll we'll get Carlos and Danny's thought on it because obviously they're football guys. Danny's got a Notre Dame shirt on, but I think it's more because his girlfriend works there more so than he gives a shit. This is on special right around the corner for fourteen bucks, so I got it. <laughs> yeah, right. I, straight up, yeah, I'm, not, yeah, right. I'm, not, I'm not hardcore Notre Dame, no. <laughs> right, right after, right, right after the Irish beat Clemson, you buy a jacket. Oh, as Donnie, bro, he's, he's had that forever, bro. I work with him. He's had that when I, when I first moved up here, bro. I got the shit fourteen bucks at 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 Meyer. There you go, there you go. But you can't but, pass that up. But Zach, why? What What is your argument for them not joining a conference? I would I would like to suffice that there is a Notre Dame hockey jersey right there. Up on the wall. <laughs> I was about to say there's uh, a there's a Notre Dame jersey right there. So, so my mom used to work for the Notre Dame hockey program. So I have a. Uh, I have a connection to the university now, but I do not, uh, I, uh, I, I would not grow a fan. So my, my, my angle is that um, there is more benefits for them being on NBC every week uh, from a recruiting standpoint. They, they're, they, the way that Notre Dame has built their program over time, you know, they're the original that have gone across the country and play in Boston. They play in, they play at least once a year on the West coast. They alternate Stanford, they Stanford and USC games. And then you look at uh, they they play all over the place. They play marquee games every year. Their strength of schedule is usually tougher than it is they would have been in the ACC this year. And then you look at the argument now. I mean, the argument now is worse than what it was before. I mean, they're running roughshed all over the ACC and making everyone look bad. There's there's never really been an argument that the ACC would have been a tougher schedule. It's it's people that that uh, that don't like that they can kind of pick and choose what Notre Dame. Notre Dame has special status. Well, they, you know they're one of the most successful programs of all time. Maybe not so much more now, but. They're, they're, they're making plenty of money on the NBC. They're playing on national television every single week versus you can't say that about any other conference school. I mean, even Clemson plays on the ACC network. Um, you know, they're not playing on national television every week. Notre Dame is playing on national television every week. They're selling out stadiums wherever they go in the ACC. Um, they, they can, they, I would never give up my independence. If I was Notre Dame, you have a lot more uh, leverage going into other things. Um, Obviously, this year with just destroying the ACC. I mean, Clemson obviously is a little bit more. I mean, I know they had the little hiccup there against Louisville, but um, for the most part, if they win the ACC, I'm just dropping the mic. I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. I'm, I'm enjoying my independence. But that is uh, that's my perspective. I don't get the argument. I also don't get the argument that uh, uh, you know a conference champion or something has more uh, should have more say in college football playoff. I think the college football playoff. You if you're going to go that route, every conference should have a have have a bid. Um, I'm not a fan of the four point, you know, the four team system. I, th- I think it's killing college sports. If you're in the Mac, you were talking about the Mac earlier. Yeah. Um, if you're in the Mac, you have no incentive to play college football other than to play because you have no chance of ever making the playoff. 
what's the point of coming to games? What's the point of donating to a program that has no chance of ever making a national title? Um, so I think, I think that having a bid for each conference would help that. And then if it goes that case, maybe there's a little bit more leniency to say, hey, Notre Dame, you probably should join the ACC or, uh, or anything else. But um, I also think as the Big Ten fans is that the reason why the Big Ten, Notre Dame is not in the Big Ten is because Michigan kicked them out or made sure that they uh, weren't in the conference in 1920. So I have no love lost. And I know Notre Dame fans love to remember the new Rockney era and you know all that stuff. So if I was Notre Dame, I would never join. That's my piece. I will, I will stick to it. I, I just, it's just my, my whole thing behind it and why. Uh, so obviously you're from Northern Indiana. I'm from out of, I'm from out of town. I'm from New York. We don't have college sports. Okay. But I, I grew up a Gator fan because my grandparents moved to Gainesville when I was younger. My first game was Gators, Arkansas. I fell in love. Like that was it. They had the same colors as the Mets. And I was like, done game over. I'm a Gator fan. And yeah, I know he's shaking his head. I know I shouldn't be saying that you're wearing your position. Florida, so don't don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so you 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 know you you watch them. You know they're in a conference. Everyone else is in a conference, and you have what is it? Navy, Notre Dame, BYU. I want to say. And uh, now now it's Liberty, New Mexico State, BYU, uh, Army, Navy is in the AAC, and then Notre Dame. So there's only like five now. And Liberty is Liberty's got their Fallwell issue that they, they can't seem to go to conference because of their uh, former president. So I mean, there's and BYU, BYU is going the same route Notre Dame is. They know they can play on national television every week. Yeah. They know that uh, they, they probably have a good chance to play off. They go undefeated, especially this year. They have a they have an outside shot of getting in. So I mean, there's there's some benefits if you can pull it off, and if you have a national if you have a national fan base. I'm not advocating for say like Penn State to go back to being an independent or anything because you need to have a specific kind of fan base for this to work. And Notre Dame is one of those few schools that can do that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it was just uh, under my thing. It, it, and college football always rubs me the wrong way sometimes. And, and Carlos will tell you we've gone over and over this. Oh, He's so had many rants about this. Me started. Virginia so, Tech was favored against Miami. <laughs> and we had 13 players out by the way we won by a point with 13 players half our we, we didn't even have a team like our team wasn't even there and we still beat them and virginia tech was favored like come on dog we're number nine in the country that's a little disrespectful but, but you look at you look at you look at and, and zach maybe you can touch on this but you look at the beginning of the year all these teams the sec all these conferences were playing Big Ten decides, oh, we're going to play because we're losing money and we need to figure out how to get games in. We changed our mind, them in the Pac-12. Ohio State wins the first game (laughs) and they're ranked number three in the country. I'm not – so you have a 1-0 team and a 6-0 team that's ranked six spots below them. And I don't – that's something I never never understood. I never never got that. I don't understand it. And, and, And sometimes they get it right. And sometimes they get it wrong. Most of the time they get it wrong. And I don't know how you feel about that, but how does that, uh, uh, how does that happen? I don't know if you have any, I, I, I don't know if you have any inside track on that or how that happens, but how does a one and O team go from not playing to all of a sudden, okay, we're, we're in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you just talk about history. I mean, that's really all it is. It's all about how, how have we done it in the past and how is it going forward? I think the new college football playoff, at least, I don't think the rankings come out now until, you know, in a normal year, late October, then you get those. But the rankings, the AP poll is just the way it's always been. There's not, there's not a good way explaining why I don't get why Virginia Tech would be a point favorite. They just lost to Liberty before they played Miami. So that one, I don't know who was thinking anything about that one. But uh, 
Uh, no, it's just the way. I mean, the, I think the new playoff has kind of helped with that. They they've gone to where they only they only do the rankings. I think like in normally like late October, November, versus like it used to be in the very first week you get a you get a ranking. Um, so I, I I don't get it. Um, I expect I, I understand Ohio State is you know didn't start playing until then, but if you've watched Ohio State play in their first few matches, they're legit. They're going to be a top top three, two or three team. Um, I think a lot of people go on the recruiting rankings and things like that. But you also on the flip side you get. Penn State was number who was number eight to begin the year and is like zero and four or something like that now. Yeah, so, tough. I mean, I mean, you get them wrong sometimes. I think usually in a normal year by now, you know, you know, beginning of November, you usually know by now who's legit and who's not. So it all shakes itself out. It's not like you know it has really any impact until the end of the year anyway. So, but uh, yeah, it's it's not a good system. I have no idea, by the way, how Virginia Tech was favored in that game. I didn't know that. that that's great. <laughs> I just, I was, it just... It just makes no sense to me. Like I know we lost to Clemson, but other than that, we've we've looked good. You know, like Miami doesn't look. So it looks like Ohio State, of course not, but they look good, good enough to be favored against Virginia Tech. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, and and it's just it's just one of those things where you get these big name schools. I think get a lot of love from the pol the polers and everybody like that, and that's what happens. And like, yeah, Notre Dame's proving it this year. I I have to say. I ate my words a couple times this year. I mean, they're one hiccup against against Louisville. What's up, Carlos? Oh, I had a question. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Zach, you said uh, you said the. I mean, my bad. Sorry, everyone pulled a number out. Um, you said uh, that the four game, the or sorry, the four team system, that uh, you don't like it. Uh, would you take it out completely, or would you make it bigger? Would uh, you make it like I- eight teams or something like that? I think every con- this is my person. This is not a Mizzou opinion. This is my my personal opinion. I would give every conference a- an auto bid. I would make my thinking is that it's killing the it's killing the power of the group of five schools because there's no incentive. If I mean, Coastal Carolina is probably going to go undefeated this year and, and not even make have a chance to you know play a big boy you know play a national title, or play in the playoffs. So my thing was that you would start you'd go to twelve. You'd play the first round on campus somewhere. So in I think that. The big boys just have to go to the little schools and play at their place in the first round. Um, then you get it down to eight, and then you you, you play the first four you know, first games, the quarterfinals, and the original you know the, the bowls that no one ever watches. And then you go back to and you get to your four. So my thing is that you should get, you know, I think there's ten conferences now. You do the ten conferences, everyone gets an auto bed. You can still rank them one to twelve. Um, and then the I think the the top the power four of the top power fives the should get an auto bid, and then the weakest power five should have to go play in the in the first round. Um, and play that. I think it's really it's what you're seeing is that you're seeing people go away from sports, and you're you're, you're giving reasons to not pay attention. Versus if you have, if you're saying the MAC, like if whoever wins the MAC this year, if you think about it on from an interest standpoint, if you're in a you're a conference championship game, people are going to watch that game from all over because they're going to want to know who's playing in the playoff. So mm-hmm. that you're going to automatically see interest increase in some of these lower games and lower bowls. Obviously the Mac's not helping itself in this standpoint because they're only playing like six games or whatever this year. Okay, and they're yeah. playing all in like on a Tuesday and Wednesday. But if you had something to play for at the end, that would increase people that are, you know, wanting to buy tickets, wanting to come to games because they've got a chance of actually seeing a team that's going to you know do something well. That's why March Madness is so awesome. That's why I can't conference championship week. People are paying attention. I'm watching Litscombe versus Belmont or whoever on conference championship week in, in basketball. Cause I want to know who's playing in the, in the tournament. So I think that is that is my model would go to 12. I think you play the first round on campus. I think the old adage, we don't want to play in December because of finals and things like that. You're seeing that not really be an issue now. People are saying, oh, we'll play all the way to December 19th. I think that old adage of we can't play now is really kind of going out the window. 
Um, so I think that I think you need to save some of the lower ends of football to make the bigger end even better. And I think that would help maybe stream some of the talent that you're seeing. You're seeing, you know, four or five schools dominate college football for the last five or six years. You're not seeing the talent go out, you know, maybe maybe stay home and play for a Kent State or a, a North Carolina, you know, you know, an App State or something like that, because they know they're not they're, they're going to only get attention here. If you make that pool bigger and give more access to more people, you know, you're, you, I, you, it's a trickle down effect, so to speak, but it, it, you would see more kids going uh, and playing at some of the smaller schools. And hopefully that would build some programs. If you're, if you're a, if you're a person in uh, Indiana and you're spending tax dollars on helping uh, subsidize Ball State's football program, you know, you're, what, what's the return on investment that, I mean, there's not really much, they're not going to play in a playoff. I mean, they could win a conference championship. That'd be great. You know, so you're, you're trying to help those guys out. I want to make those guys better so that all football as itself grows up. That's my, that's my personal opinion towards that whole thing. The rationale. Straight knocked it right out the park. I have nothing to add. He, poof. I, I agree with him 100%. <laughs> you know, that, that makes perfect sense. And, 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 and one thing I wanted to ask you, and I'm not sure you should, you can touch on it because I don't know what the SEC rules are in Missouri, but how do you feel now about all these rules where you look at Florida, who now will allow athletes to be paid? And things like that. How do you think that changes recruiting at that point? And also recruiting, how does that affect marketing if it does at all? That's a pretty interesting question. Never yeah. thought about it. Yeah, we haven't really gotten really clarity on how that's going to impact. Like if we can, I mean, we're going to be able to still use our, our, our student athlete images on, you know, on our, you know, putting out our games and stuff. I'm more on the game production side and, you know, and building those games out. I don't think we haven't really been given anything to think that that won't impact things. I mean, what's, what's really going to happen impact of recruiting is is that um you're going to see maybe some of the the mid-tier talent i think spread out because if you go to if you're the big name at say app state or something like that you might have a chance of getting you know a car dealership or whatever to kind of give you money to autograph you know, give autograph but if you're the big the big guys are already getting the big talent they're going to keep getting the big talent i don't think that's really going to make too much of a difference on, on that end but you might see maybe the the mid-tier players want to maybe spread out a little bit more because hey if you're the top dog here Versus the you know the third third in the litter here or somewhere that like you're gonna get more money there. Um, there's all there's things called like open doors. Um, there's I can't remember the other one that are helping uh, they're helping us keep track of, of when an athlete signs with things so that um, you got to think about corporate partnerships and not really kind of impacting those two. So um, it's really up in the air how it's gonna look like. I don't think there's a really clarity. I think we're all trying to figure that out at the moment and we're all kind of waiting for either Congress to step in and say this is the way it's gonna be. Because um, people like to forget that Congress controls everything. If the Congress comes down and says this is the way it's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. Um, the states can, you know, kick rocks essentially. But uh, right now, some states have it, some states don't. Um, uh, so there's not a lot of not a lot of known variables. But for, for overall, I don't think it's going to change recruiting as much as people I think think will be. You might see that that second level type recruit go somewhere else so that they can make money off their name and image versus maybe waiting a year or two to be that big name at Alabama. So. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think it's, we got a couple of years before it comes in. So, we'll, yeah. we'll, um, interesting is going to say the least. Yeah. Cause I, my thought process was always, so you take a team like we'll say Notre Dame, who's probably never going to do that. They're never <laughs> going to pay their athletes ever. And then you have a team like Florida where they made it, you know, legal, you know, in a couple of years. And this is the law. This is what's going to happen. Obviously you said they don't know, but being, you know, someone from, let's say, northern Indiana, that's a standout prospect. Say he plays for your old alma mater, Jimtown, or something like that. And he's like, 
he has a chance to go to Notre Dame and play. And he has a chance to go to Florida and play. He's five-star. Where I mean, don't you think that pushes him towards Florida because of that deciding factor where you Florida will gain that player because they have a chance to get paid as a five-star recruit where if he goes to Notre Dame, yeah, he's going to get a top-notch education. He's going to play on national television every week. But he's not going to get He's not going to get that. We'll go legal pay for being an athlete. Yeah, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of uh, misconceptions though about this is that the school wouldn't be paying these athletes. You can't as a as a as a as a school you couldn't pay athletes because if you pay a male athlete you have to pay a female athlete and you have to pay you have to pay them all you have to pay them all the same. You would not be able to go pay say a quarterback more than say a women's tennis player. You'd have to pay them all the same. Title nine wraps that up in a bow for you. Uh, pretty 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 well so um, you would never have the school would never be able to do that but say in your scenario if a kid went to Notre Dame that has a national appeal maybe you get maybe, maybe more of a national you know marketing kind of contract versus Florida who's yeah has a national appeal but it's more regionalized to Florida uh, you know it, now the Gators obviously have national following but more so in their area versus Notre Dame maybe has more pull say in New York or Chicago where that money may be a little bit bigger um, so it's going to come down to where where each individual school has the connections with, you know, the businesses that are in that area. And the school is not going to probably be the ones finding finding things for these kids to, to sign with. It'll be the local businesses or the brands inside that community that will really have that more of that that's saying it. And ideally, we'll cut that out of the recruiting process. But the, the athlete might have an idea of, hey, I can make more money here based on what other athletes have done. Um, yeah, the schools themselves won't really have an impact in that. You're not going to be able to pitch that probably in recruiting, I would assume. But you can kind of know in the back of your head, like you're saying, hey, if I go to USC, I'm in Los Angeles, my name could be on a billboard for $100,000 versus if I go to, you know, Norman, Oklahoma, where there's probably, you know, at Oklahoma, where there's maybe so much more. So uh, that's what's going to make it interesting is where, where certain businesses and where certain donors are willing to kind of have that, pay that money for that athlete to go be, go sign autographs or do a photo shoot or whatever that is uh that's yet to be seen i don't know some schools that i think that people may think are going to be bigger are actually going to be lower and vice versa because you look at schools like vanderbilt who's in nashville and they have fortune 500 uh companies in charlotte you know things like that the bigger city schools are going to have a little bit more of an edge versus say um versus say like a northern illinois or somebody who's kind of out there and not really around a bunch of businesses so there's a lot of a lot of ins and outs that we don't know yet that's awesome. Thank you for clearing that up because that's definitely something I never thought about. Like if you look at, you know, the schools like like you said in Nashville or, you know, close to Chicago or something like that where the money is bigger than say like you said Northern Oklahoma or even in Gainesville. And I hate to keep bringing up the Gators because I know you hate that, but that's just that's just my that's just my <laughs> team. That's what I got to do. Um, so I mean, we touched on obviously what you do with Missouri, but how obviously you know us and everything with our work with you know lower league soccer and everything i know you've done a lot of work with afc columbia um which is a lower league soccer team uh can you you know touch base on that for us a little bit what exactly you do or have you done i know you know we've talked a little bit and you kind of stepped away a bit since obviously college football and college sports have started but what what are you doing with them what have you been doing give us a little bit of background on that 
Yeah, so we got here. Uh, my wife and I moved here to Columbia in November. Um, I've been a big uh, lower league soccer fan. Uh, I had come the Chattanooga FC, one of the bigger lower league soccer clubs in, in the country. The the coaches at my pre my previous institution. He's uh, the head coach of the soccer team. Is the is the, is the GM up there at CFC? And uh, it really got me interested in what's going on with uh, uh, lower league soccer. I'm a Chelsea fan from a soccer standpoint, so I hate if that, anyone hates me on that one. I understand, but. Uh, wow. <laughs> my 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 uh my roommate in the marine corps proposed to his wife at stanford bridge and as uh had 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 brainwashed me into becoming a chelsea fan but that is uh, amazing I, I, that's a pretty cool story yeah he is he's a big he's he's a diehard i won't say i'm a diehard but i, I do follow them pretty well uh but uh we got here to columbia and realized that there wasn't missouri is actually a really big soccer state um, obviously you have um the the wizards are now uh, sporting kc on one side and then we'll have a new uh, uh, MLS franchise in the other. They, I think something like 20 national titles have come out of, and, and college soccer have come out of the state of Missouri, St. Louis University, SIU Edwardsville, which is Edwardsville, which is in Illinois, but is really in more St. Louis Metro, has a lot of national titles. UMKC um, yeah, has a really good program. So soccer is really big here. We knew that uh, there's no minor league baseball teams here in Columbia. Uh, there's nothing really to do in the summer. It's not like there's a beach or anything around here that you're going to be flocking flock to. Um, so we, we knew that there is a lot of growing interest. Uh, we uh, met with a few other uh, people that are, have formed a board here in, in, in Columbia, and now we're looking to uh, looking to kind of help. Uh, my end's really trying to get the word out there and market it, and you know, kind of give advice and, and help and help people you know learn about the club. Um, obviously, my day job takes up 99 percent of my job, so it's it's more of a, an advisory thing at the moment, but. Uh, uh, trying to get there, there obviously playing a regional league like the Midwest Premier League obviously would be something that'd be big for our club. Um, trying to play some locals, there's a lot of good talent around here. There's two NAI national title champions here in Columbia or right outside of Columbia, at Columbia College, and then Central Methodist. Um, so there's there's a lot of good talent. We're trying to give them an avenue to play. Uh, hopefully, get picked up by a USL team. You know, play play um, play more of an elite amateur level. So it's something that we're uh, building. Obviously, uh, congratulations to South Bend. They obviously have a team now and uh, something that I think could be flourishing. And uh, I think that Fort Wayne, new Fort Wayne team will really help uh, draw some interest up there. So, no, absolutely. We're, we're pretty excited. We were a little bummed um, when, you know, obviously COVID and you can't have a season. You know, a lot of the buzz um, kind of went away, but they're slowly picking it back up again. Uh, U18 teams, uh, women and men's that they've uh, they've put up now. Um that they've had tryouts for these last couple of weeks that might change a little bit. Now that Indiana is on that, that 50 people rule where you can't gather again, they went backwards a little bit, which sucks, but I mean, and as far as AFC Columbia, what division are they playing in now? Or what is it? USL two as well? Uh, no, so we're not playing it. We haven't, we haven't, fought, we haven't had team yet. We were going to play, we were oh, going to try to do some kind of friendlies boat. this summer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with obviously with COVID knocking out the entire year this year, uh, we were actually going to start trying to play next year. Um, obviously with COVID coming back, I don't know if we'll have enough. It's really more on the sponsorship side and really having the community. We haven't really been able to get out in the community because most of the community doesn't really go out that much anymore. Sponsorships, the businesses are hurting around here. Everyone's pretty much hurting on the small business side. So, um, you got to have that kind of a community sport, but also the finances to make it happen. Um, it probably won't happen next year. You also got to think about like field usage since a lot of the NAI schools and stuff are playing soccer in the spring. Uh, there's, the fields are going to, that you could possibly play on are going to be, are going to be taken up by a lot of new uh, or teams that are playing later in the year. Um, so right now we're hoping to play next year. We're, we're going to try to play some indoor soccer uh, locally, uh, but uh, 
USL two is very expensive. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be cool to get there. But right now, uh, um, the Midwest premier league, uh, some other ro- ro- uh, regional leagues would be great. Um, the NISA, I don't know if you guys follow NISA at all, yep. but uh, mm-hmm. that's really uh, an interesting way of taking the money out of the, the, you know, the, uh, the franchise fees and things like that, reducing the costs, allowing more clubs to grow um, is something that's exciting. And I think uh, you're going to start seeing, I think some teams leave USL and go to NISA where maybe a pyramid might actually start to form. And I'm pretty excited from a soccer fan to see how that goes. I hope so. I know. I know. Is NISA like another league or something? NISA. Yeah. NISA is formed as like a uh, division three league. Uh, They have a lot of good clubs. Um, They have, they're spread out. They have uh, Detroit, uh, New York Cosmos. I think New York Cosmos were in it and then he left. Uh, Chattanooga, they have, they have clubs. But uh, what they've come out in the last couple months is saying is, Hey, uh, we're forming lower league, you know, we're forming lower league play. We're trying to get all the clubs into one, one to bubble right now. The problem with lower league soccer is that you have the UPSL and the MPSL, which compete with each other and they don't really form any and they're, they're rivalries. And there's really no, there's no really incentive to play national soccer. If you're in Columbia, like if you travel more than three or four hours, you're losing money. So why would you want to travel and play a national tournament and things like that uh, versus NISA has NISA has the opportunity now for the smaller clubs. Like if IFC can play next year, to play against Chattanooga's and the bigger clubs, uh, DeKalb United, which is up, uh, uh, DeKalb County, excuse me, which is up in uh, Northern Illinois. Uh, there's a lot of clubs in uh, Michigan, obviously, uh, right, you know, right across the border from you guys. Um, it's 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 kind of like a USL, but instead of having franchise fees and you know your 30, 30 mile radiuses around your club, you can have a club anywhere. Anyone can start it. There's only minimum standards um, from a financial standpoint. Um, it's gonna. I think it's gonna be interesting because it's giving people back the, the the onus back onto the clubs themselves to build clubs instead of having a franchise fee. You know, in really playing MLS B teams instead of playing like other independent clubs. So there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of growth around it. I definitely recommend uh, checking them out. They uh, they're very interesting. They're very good at marketing themselves. Um, they're hitting the right markets uh, to get clubs in. And uh, you're right. Obviously, in Chicago, there's gonna be at least one, if not two, possibly three new NISA teams in Chicago. Um, coming soon. So you're going to start seeing clubs that have that are going to have followings and rivalries, and it's going to be really good for soccer in the U.S. That's awesome. I mean, nice. I think you're, we're, we're ever going to see um, like a demotion, kind of like in European soccer, uh, where like the, the bottom three league teams go down and the, the top three teams go up. You think that will that ever transform into something like that? Hope so. <laughs> I think MLS. The thing about MLS is that they're a single entity. They don't. There's nothing that's going to require them until this the soccer federation, which is really kind of tied in heavily with MLS. You know, until that splits in the federation says you have to go up and down. I don't think it'll happen. But NISA, what NISA is trying to do is they're trying to uh, they're trying to get all the low, the smaller clubs in, into one one bubble, or at least trying to help organize that. And then they have the first level of the pro, uh, professional system. Uh, the division three. So if they can get that fixed and they can go up to, you know, they can build up enough clubs where they can go up and down to division two. And then that's where you're going to start seeing more pressure on MLS to, you know, do promotion relegation. I'm not going to say it's going to happen anytime soon, but if NISA can go in the trajectory that they're going, you could see enough pressure in say eight to 10 years on where that could actually be a reality. The problem right now is that the soccer federation and MLS and really the U S men's national team are all kind of in cahoots and they're not allowing that to happen. And so until those kind of separate, which could, if there's enough public pressure for them to separate, um, that until then that happens, you won't see anything go up and down, which I honestly, I think that'd be huge for U.S. soccer. I don't know if there's enough soccer per, you know, MLS teams right now. 
enough for that to really go up and down and have and be able to be profitable. I think that's one of the issues right now is there's, I don't think there's enough MLS teams to really to do that. You would need probably about 40 teams. And I think they're only in about 32 or 33. So I think that would be one issue. I mean, it, it, it would make, you go all over the place. You go to Europe. I've traveled. I've been to soccer. I've been to world cups. I've been to euros and people don't look at us soccer as a, a, a blip on the radar. It's gotten better, but I think once this country adopts relegation, and has something like that where it makes it interesting. Because let's face it, you watch the MLS, you have a shit team. Let's say the Chicago Fire or whatever. They're not that great. They're in last place. They still get rewarded and they're still in the league. That's not fair for a team. It, it just doesn't make sense when you have you know, teams like Detroit FC who are absolutely amazing at what they do. I was living in Ann Arbor and my wife was working with this guy, Sean, who started... Detroit FC. He and a group of other people started it. And and I remember the movement that had happened. And when they moved it downtown uh, to Keyworth, and I mean, that changed the area where that went. And they are some of the most passionate fans ever. I had uh, Andres Davi, who's the owner of the Milwaukee Torrent, uh, on our show uh, right when the pandemic had started uh, because he had started an esports thing with the uh, NPSL and the ENPSL and all that. And I was a part of that. And it was fun while it lasted, but it got a little, you know, murky. But um, they've played in Detroit at the Milwaukee Torrent. And I tell you, he said to me, he's like, I played soccer all over the world. He played for Bayern Leverkusen in Germany. And he's like, those fans are insane. He's like, that's like European football times two sometimes for these lower teams in Europe. And it's, it's amazing to see. And, you know, the bigger teams like the Milwaukee Torrent, who just had a Jersey announcement uh, yesterday, which looks absolutely amazing. And what they're doing with lower league soccer, I think is a better culture than what the MLS has. The MLS is so corporate that it kind of dilutes what the game is all about. In my opinion. Yeah. I think, I think one thing that we don't give MLS credit for is that they, one, they're, they're growing interest in the United States. I mean, it's only been 24, 25 years, whatever, since MLS started. Yeah. I think interest is growing. They're building new stadiums. The the product quality, as much as I begrudgingly will say, has gone up. Uh, <laughs> we're starting to see U.S. stars in Europe. You have Pulisic, we, uh, Pulisic, uh, McKinney, um, De- you know, Des. You have all those guys that are starting to play for big clubs. The club, the, you know, but they all, you know, they all started in Europe. Uh, the thing about that is that the, the level of interest is going up where you're starting to see. It's only been about 10 years or 15 years since CFC started. Uh, Detroit City, I think, is only about 10 years old. You're starting yeah. to see now where the interest is going up, where there are clubs popping up everywhere, where the interest level has gone up. And that's really the product of MLS really growing clubs and really doing Miami's got a new club, obviously, down there with, uh, with Beckham. That's probably going to help that area. Really, uh, There's a lot of lower league teams already in South Florida. But it's something that, you know, you're not going to invest $500 million in the team and build a nice brand stadium if you think you're going to play in Division Two. Like, you're, you're probably not going to get a lot of billionaires to give that kind of money to do a team. So there's – I think at some point, you, once we – I think when we get to, you know, we get maybe 10 or 15 years down the line, we can really have a serious discussion about, hey, all right, let's, let's start going up and down because now we have enough interest. We have enough quality clubs because a lot of people don't realize that a lot of these smaller lower league clubs are only in two or three years and then they crash. Uh, Detroit City and CFC have been really good about, you know, growing. But a lot of clubs crash. They're just, you know, sometimes there's not that interest. 
But right now there's not enough interest because there's no incentive for clubs to go up. I mean, there's no, if you're marketing someone, you're not going to market a club that's only going to play in division three for very long. Like it's your, that partnership's only going to go so far. So the finances have got to be there and have got to make sense. MLS is building the building up the interest. we got to have enough interest. Um, even as a diehard soccer fan, I don't think that we're having enough interest yet to really go up and down as much as we want, but not to that say in five, 10 years, that could be a whole different concept. We could have, you know, Detroit City could have a, you know, a, a big enough fan base where we could say, hey, why aren't they moving up? But if you look at Cincinnati, Cincinnati had a huge following, following packing Nipper Stadium down there in Cincinnati. You know, they got the, they got the money behind them and boom, they, were, they moved up to MLS. So um, it, it, it's, it's a rough situation. It's, it, it's a catch-way too. We got to get there, but also we want to move. So how do you do it? And it also depends on the owners of the, of the big clubs, like the, the MLS clubs, because they – if they do get demoted or you know sent down they lose a lot of money which is one of the issues in europe where like the teams always fight to stay in the premier league or um yeah the premier league or in whatever league they're in um because they lose a lot of money a yeah, lot the, of money <laughs> what the british will not tell you and i have a lot of friends in england what they will not tell you is is that their system is in is in peril what has happened in England is that you have six or seven clubs that are dominating and taking all that European money. And if you don't stay up, your club is in financial ruin. If you look at leagues one and two and the championship, it is those finances are always murky. They're always, a lot of clubs are getting bought right. out. Uh, they've, they've started to put in um, salary caps now in those leagues to try to keep the spending down because the, what you have is you'll have an owner come in and buy a league one club. They'll get it up to the championship. You'll get ready to go premier league. And they will have pretty much bankrolled it the whole entire time. They're not sustainable. So you have a lot of clubs in England that will tell you like, hey, this is we got to really change the way we do things. A lot of these clubs are going to go under. So I think one of the big things as we grow in America is we got to build sustainable clubs that can that don't need to be an MLS to be successful. They like they can fund they can do things. I think here in the United States, with how much spread out things are versus England, where you have all these clubs on top of each other that maybe we have a little bit more uh, incentive from a sponsorship side and financial side to be real to do it. I mean, it's just like running a college team. You got to have the, you know, the big donors, the big names in there, making sure that the club is sustainable without having to, you know, you know, go belly up every 10 years, which is what happens to yeah. a lot of English clubs. They won't admit it, but that's what happens to a lot of English <laughs> clubs in 10, 15 years. They'll go belly up and they don't, they like to like, Oh, we'll have a new owner and we'll fix it all. It's like, how are you going <laughs> to keep going? Yeah, exactly. And that, that's what brought that, 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 um, Sunderland a documentary on on uh, Netflix was fantastic because not only did it cover like the football side of things, but it showed you how important these teams are to their communities and what happens to these communities when these teams get relegated because whole communities die. People lose jobs. Bars close down. Like what's going on here, you know, with COVID and small businesses closing and all that. That's what happens when your soccer team in England does bad. Like you wouldn't think that would have a bearing, but you watch that and really open your eyes to like see them get dropped down the league two and like just play like complete and utter garbage and change management. And people are praying in churches, wearing Sunderland jerseys and crying and losing their jobs. It's like, God damn, like how serious could it be? Like here kind of take it for granted, like, oh, the Chicago fire suck, but they'll be back next year. They'll have an international <laughs> slot. Maybe they'll fill it with Lewandowski or whoever, you know. And that's what, you know, it, it, it brings, you know, butts in the seats. This is America. That's what they look for, sponsorship money, mm-hmm. whatever. But when you look at you look at Europe, it's totally different. Like our owner for the South Bend Lions, Richie, 
he's it's getting a little crazy because he just paid uh, for Kettering FC. They got a whole new grounds and they can't put anyone in the stand (laughs) paid for the whole thing. So he's, you know, it's crazy. He owns a team in China and he owns the South Bend lions as well. So it's been, it's been interesting to watch that, that, that I don't want to say saga, but watch that story unfold to see exactly what happens through that because you look at it and it's crazy. And then you, like you said, growing, I mean, being from New York, we had the Red Bull, and then right before I left, they had NYCFC. But now there's New Amsterdam, you, you know, FC in New York. There's Flushing FC, which is where I'm from, Flushing Queens. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I didn't, there was no team when I lived there. All these teams are starting to pop up, the Cosmos and all that. And it's it's crazy to watch and the interest that grows. And I mean, I love soccer and and, and it's great. I think we all do. And it's a Imagine lot of- seeing like a Miami FC versus Inter Miami and like the like the MLS one day. That'd be hilarious. Like Inter Miami playing in FIU Stadium against Miami FC. That's crazy. Why not? It could happen. It could happen. I mean, you you got to have those local derbies though to keep some interest. I mean, everyone loves to go to Ohio State Michigan game. Why not a, a local Miami game? And it's always good because everyone will root for the lower guy, the the little guy. Uh, maybe they won't work for Jimmy. If, if John you know, Jim Harbaugh is pretty pretty happy that they don't do things here like they do in England, where if you lose like four or five games, they, they kick you out the door because he's, he's gone by now. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is uh, talk about a hot seat. That guy's pants are on fire right now. I don't know what to say. About I, I will never advocate for coaches being fired in any way, shape, or form. But yet uh, in England, if you lose three or four games, you're gone. Like that's just the way it is over there. That's it's crazy. It's- it's crazy. In England, you make you you make a bad decision starting someone, and you might lose your job. <laughs> yeah, you don't start Lionel Messi over in Barcelona. You're probably out the door. Oh my God, he better have a broken Bro. leg and a broken finger and arm and everything, and even not to start. But moving on from soccer, I know this is something that that Danny and Carlos really wanted to talk about. Zach, we could maybe take a back back seat and and and, and listen, but the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> I'm like, what do we Ooh. want to talk about? <laughs> what the hell? You're welcome. Five in a row. It's one, two, three, four, five. Amazing games to watch. Tua comes in. Guy's undefeated right now. Flores looks like a freaking genius. The Bills lose today in the last 16 seconds of the game. Yes. The Dolphins are a half game back of first place. Yeah, one game, right? Hey, Carlos, let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you this every week until the Dolphins lose. What? How do you feel about Tua starting? Because at the beginning of the year, that that Miami Dolphins pendant should be burned on your living room floor right yeah. now. Look, I said at the beginning of the year, I've said it. If you're going to start him, pick the right time, and you pick the right time, man. I mean, Brian, you can't you can complain. If you're a Dolphin fan right now, you got to nod your, nod your cap, and then Brian Flores, we trust. That's it. You know, like, do I – do I think it was the right decision? I think it was a risky decision. You know, I, I, it was very risky to, to start him. But he did it at the right time. It was right after the bye week. We're playing a team that he has no reason to beat. And now we're – and another thing is that uh, Fitzmagic is an inconsistent quarterback. He's very up and down. So maybe Brian Flores was like – and our offensive coordinators know, knows that because he was with Fitzmagic in the Bills, I believe. Um, so he knows that he's a very up and down quarterback. So you're Brian Flores. You go, we need to see what we have because we're going to have most likely a, another top five pick in the draft this season because we have the Houston Texans pick. And he played his cards and he said, you know what? We need to see what Tua really is. 
And why not do it right after the bye week? You have a week to play with the first team. And did I want it to happen? No, I didn't want Tua to play this year. But if you really look at you, you put it on paper and you really sit down and you go, what's the best thing to do? The best thing to do right now is start Tua because he's a better quarterback. Fitzmagic is inconsistent. And you also need to see what he's capable of. Brian Flores hit around on the nail and the Miami Dolphins have five in a row and they they can, looking at the schedule, have nine in a row if they, they keep going the way. Don't sleep on that Jets game. That's gonna don't don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm more I'm more scared of Cincinnati than I am of the Jets. Hey, your your upset pick kind of flopped this week. Cincinnati yeah, got their best. It, it, it didn't work. It didn't work. They got they got I shot for the stars and got slapped in the face by the Steelers. Absolutely bulldozed in that game. Like it wasn't yeah. even close. I kind of felt bad for Burroughs, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I, I I did not have a good week picking. I like about, I picked the Packers by like fourteen and they almost lost. How about the New York Giants in first place? I <laughs> New York Giants are in first place in the NFC East. If any one of those teams get a playoff berth, that's going to be the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And obviously joking, one of them is. I was joking with Kelly that we should contact the NFL and have them just replace that division in the playoffs and put another wild card spot. Instead of having like an NFC East team, you put in like a third, another wild card because you're going to have a team that's like has eight or nine wins. They're not going to make the playoffs and the Giants with three wins are going to be in the playoffs. Come on, bro. <laughs> that, is the, that is the greatest the thing. Most ridiculous thing in the world. That, what was it? What was it? I, it must have been a couple years ago. Maybe I want to say five, six years ago. The uh, was it the NFC West? No, it was the AFC West. NFC South. NFC where like it was the, the was it the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, I think we made the playoffs and we were like seven and eight or something like that. Oh, you beat the. Did, did you beat the Giants record the year they won against the Patriots? Was it worse than that? We yeah, made, I think the Panthers made the playoffs. We were either 500 or right below 500. Like, it was not a good year. <laughs> we made the playoffs. I'll take it. I'll take it. Take it. And, not- and the crazy part is you get to host because you're a divisional champ. That's the crazy part. Had a home playoff game with a below 500 record. That's what's going to happen. But that's what's going to happen. Think about it. There's only, what, five more weeks left? No, but oh, yeah. there's wait. five, five uh, or six, six, yeah, maybe? five or six. Yeah. And the Broncos, Giants are what yeah. three and yeah, five three six. and three and seven. <laughs> so if they yeah. win out, that, like that's ridiculous to even that's so dumb. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely gross to see that. Like, we were but, just saying, what's everything wrong with college sports? And you got professional sports right here screwing it up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. The NBA, the NBA every year has like a losing record team in the playoffs, and you're like, what the heck? What's the, what's one even playing the game anymore? I mean, that that's in the East. The West is always it's always eight teams are always nasty, but the it's East, always man, the you East. Have the like, East is brutal. Yeah, might as well put a college team in the East, in the East basketball playoffs. It doesn't really happen. I can't say that happens in hockey though, because yeah, technically, I technically, I mean, with the point system, you have to at least win games to like. To get positive, like it, it's. It, I'm that, also that, the belief that hockey is by far the most competitive sport in America. Like as far as like how good the teams are, not like as far as how many people view and forget about the numbers. I mean, like them on ice, it's the most competitive sport. It has to be because I'm not going to argue with the whole it, league is but good. I'm sure someone will, but I'm not going to argue with you. I'm, <laughs> I'm a diehard, you know that through and through. But 
Yeah, the NFL this week was 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 crazy. I can't believe that. And and, and I texted. So I text Danny. I'm like, dude, you coming to the to the podcast? Like, what's going on? He's like, be right there. And I'm like, oh, what's this guy talking about? Then he comes on. He's like, dude, that was the greatest ending I've ever seen. And I throw on the highlight. My God, man. With like, what was it? Like 11 seconds? 11 seconds left. The Cardinals, a uh, 40-yard bomb into the end zone. Hopkins was one receiver. Uh, Down by four. Down by four. Had to be a touchdown. He had three defenders on him, and he Randy Mossed it for the touchdown. Dude, Leaving, dude come back. For, like, insane. After after the uh, Diggs had a huge touchdown uh, catch yeah. leading up to it. Like, what a back and forth last two minutes in that game. Well, Insane. I, I wasn't watching it, but uh, Carlos came into the room first and I was like, yo, Dolphins, what's up? He, I was like, dude, only if the Bills, only if the Bills would have lost, they'd only be a game back. Before no, I didn't even know. Call, I no, I was, we were watching that game. Dude, we, we lost our minds here. It was like, oh, <laughs> it was crazy. That oh. play. That play was insane. Like honestly. literally, before I, I I came on the call, I was looking at the I I didn't know anything was going on. I was just like looking at the records. I was like, so what if the Bills really do lose? What happens? I was just looking at the is. records. Like, <laughs> no, nah, no. Nah, I checked my phone. And I saw the update. I was like, oh, it's a three point game. It's a three point game. The the Bills were actually losing. It was a three point game. Bills losing with like two minutes left, mm-hmm. and then the Bills made a touchdown and left the clock very low for uh, the Cardinals. And then that's when the Cardinals came back with that insane play. It was like such a nice back and forth. And that's what we needed for it to be one game behind. So here we are, the Miami Dolphins, one game behind first place in the AFC East. The Dolphins needed that. And the Dolphins needed that. And the Cardinals needed that too to stay. Oh, yeah. Cardinals are now 6 and uh, Seahawks lost, by the way. Oh, my gosh. And the Steelers are That's two in a row. Is that two in a row for the, for the season? Yeah, the Rams beat them 23-16. Hey, are the Steelers right now time of recording? Uh Ravens and Patriots 0-0 with five minutes left. That's a crap game. First. Hey, real you know quick. The Patriots though, but they always try to make this. I, I'm done with the Patriots. I don't even want to talk about them. <laughs> real quick. Next subject. <laughs> hey, the Jets didn't lose this week because they had a bye week. So, oh, yeah, nice. I'm happy. I'm happy. Oh, I'm happy. Like, Question. Yes. <laughs> Yes. The Steelers record right now eight and zero going into this week's game. It was nine and it's nine and zero now. Nine and zero now. So did they win this week? Yeah, they beat yeah. they, they destroyed Cincinnati. Oh, okay. So we have a we have a nine and zero team in the water that nobody's talking about that much. Man. Yeah, exactly. We said this. We said yeah, this. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's ha- it's happening again. You guys are uh, you know Mike Tomlin, best coach in the NFL. Where is it, where is it, it's happening again. We'll see. Over I mean, uh, for, the thing about the Steelers is that they they could have they could literally have they win every game. What matters for them is the playoffs. Like their Steelers are one of those mentality teams where like of it's Super Bowl or you did not have a good year. Oh. It's not like the Dolphins. The Dolphins are like, well, we have five games in a row and we're like tied at first and we're losing our minds. Like we're in the Super Bowl for the Steelers. If you're not in the playoffs every year, you're out the door. Dude, dude, mark my words. If the Patriots win this game. Just, just hear me out, uh, and we'll talk about uh, it this week. But if the Patriots win this game, I bet you that's what ESPN talks about, not the fact that the Steelers yeah, yeah, nine yeah, and zero. Yeah. They're gonna, they're gonna be pushing Candle and Bill Belichick down my throat if they win this and, game. But whatever. Yo, brother, and Big Ben, Big Ben with four touchdown passes. Oh my gosh! Let me tell you something. Talking about the Patriots and Ravens, I don't think it's gonna happen. But we always say Bill Belichick's best thing is that he's gonna take away your best player. And he's gonna make uh, everyone else in your team win that game. 
how do you take away the best player? Don't let Lamar Jackson run. Force him to throw the ball. It's exactly what the Titans did. It's exactly any team that beats the Ravens. That's exactly what they do. They force him to throw the ball. And we'll see. I think the Ravens will beat them just because their defense is better. They're running the the guy sitting on the right bench is a better player than some of the stars in the Patriots right now. So I just think the Ravens are that much better than them. Jeez, but so harsh. It's no better chick, and you do not know. You just never know because he's gonna force Lamar Jackson to. He's gonna get him uncomfortable. His name always comes up in this podcast. I hate even saying his name, Bill Belichick. Really he's like you say it three I get, times. I get migraines when I say. His oh, name. show Bill up. Belichick. Look. Flash, the lights are flashing. If you say his name three times, he's like Beetlejuice. He'll just show up. <laughs> like gross. With his, so, with his cut so, off sweater. Zach, you're a you're a Panthers fan? I used to work for the Panthers, so I'm a little oh, biased. Okay. I grew I grew up a Cowboys fan, but I I, uh, I was in Charlotte for uh, I was there for three of the years. We won three division titles in a row. But my last the last two years I actually worked for them. So I was uh Awesome. I was uh, I worked game days and some other things uh, on the side, so I I'm more a Panthers fan than anything now. Uh, so, are you a Cam Newton fan? Um, Cam is a goofy character. Um, he, <laughs> uh, I will say about this, I love his mom. His mom, I talked to her once. Uh, she was really nice and very polite. He's just like a big kid. Um, no, I'm not much of a Cam Newton fan. I, I'm more just a, of a team thing. I was really a big fan of Greg Olson uh, when I was there. Um, mm. So it's 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 rough to see that franchise just kind of disintegrate because it was so great for so long for three or four years and then it just crashed. But been, uh, no, Cam, Cam's not like I don't hate Cam, but like I'm not like a Cam guy if that makes sense. He cracks me up when he shows up just like a 90 year old grandma. He comes to the game with a handkerchief on and like looking like he's about like a cleaning lady. Like that, <laughs> I never understood why you would dress like that. But hey, to each their own. But hey, I mean the Panthers, yeah, they don't have a winning record right now, but. They've been in all their games pretty much. Like they haven't been blown out. They, I mean, Bridgewater is doing his thing. Today I mean, they got they, today they got beat pretty bad, but I mean they're still they really? in the game a little bit. Yeah, they, exactly. it was like a twenty point loss. Or I, I don't know if it was twenty, but it was almost twenty. I think. I think it was. It was close. I think they had the lead. and It was close, and then uh, it was you know. Tom Brady just yeah. Tom Brady did a thing. Brady Tom just Brady. pushed on the gas, and <laughs> it was that's it. <laughs> If it's I'm okay. Not- the, Fal- the Falcons are terrible, so I'm okay right now. Everything's okay. <laughs> well, okay. No, I really no. like the Saints to be terrible too, but you can only take so much at one time. <laughs> For sure. Well, Drew Brees is, Drew Brees is, is hurt. Hey, we don't know how serious got, it is, but he, he, he is hurt. hurt. He got hurt today. Jameis Winston that's, came in uh, today. That's, he heard that's his all the Tom Brady haters wanted to hear was – I think it's a rib injury. I, you, you talked about the Steelers, though. I mean, I worked, I worked there for – I worked Panthers two years now. Or, uh, two years and the, the craziest fan base I ever saw was the Steelers and I will say the second biggest it was the Browns when they came and they were awful when they came back in 2015 or 16 or whatever but the Steelers we played them on Sunday night um, and they those people wearing those waving the towels and everything crazy fan base uh, we didn't kick anybody out I don't think but they were crazy the, se- the second craziest fans were the Browns I don't understand why you could ever be a Browns fan but yeah, they were crazy crazy fan base there's nothing else. You ever to get to witness Cleveland. any of those those Ravens Steelers uh, defenses games? Did you ever see any of them? Were you there during that time, or is that that's probably way before the time you worked there? Uh, no, I mean I was I was in Carolina from 13 to 16. Uh, we went to Super Bowl my last year. We were 15 and one. So every time someone gets really close to going undefeated, I was like, Hey, I was there once and we lost one game. Uh, but uh, no, we uh, the Steelers were good there. Uh, the Patriots were obviously good during that obviously during that time frame. Uh, 
we I think uh, my last year at the Panthers, we won the we beat the Cardinals like forty nine to seventeen or something like that in the NFC Championship game. The game was over by like halftime. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, the 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 Steelers fans are crazy. The, I really can't stand Saints Saints fans. So I'm glad none of you guys are Saints fans because those people are just insanely crazy and just I don't know. I have a little respect yeah, for the Steelers. Yeah. I don't have any respect for the Saints. So. Um, I say that as I know someone who's a big Saints fan nearby, so I won't say anything too much. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's a it was a good time. Uh, Panthers fans are very more like really easy going. Like I don't know, we're not very crazy, so I, I don't have too much to say about our fan base. I mean, I'm a Jet fan. I don't think we have a fan base yeah, anymore. Dolphins, so. <laughs> <laughs> Dolphins fan base. If you're not the Jets or the Bills or the Patriots, we don't really care. Like I I went to a Saints game and it was. It was okay. It was a year. I think it was a year that they were on. I think I went with Danny, actually. Yeah, we were there. It was they were undefeated, and, like, Jeremy Shockey went for, like, 250 and five touchdowns. Like, yo, we took the Dolphins. <laughs> That's the year that the lady sitting in front of and us we slapped were, you. We, we were up by, like, three touchdowns at, at halftime, and the Dolphins were like, wow! Carlos, like the best team in the NFL. Dolphins off to a great start, and Carlos pointing at the lady in front of us. Yeah, yeah. What's up? What's up? And this lady was like, she was taking it there, like quietly wearing a Saints jersey. She was like, mm-hmm. she was just she, eating, eating. She really slapped me. She got up, turned around, stood on her chair to be taller than you, and slapped the hat off your head, and went boom, and then clapped, and then clapped in your and your face, and went, and went, what's up now? What's up now? As soon as, as soon as the as soon as the Saints got the lead back. No. And we were laughing real hard. The whole set, because she was the only all Saints sitting in the fans, section. I get more like, walked out like this. And all the Saints were like, ah, and the whole deck was all we, black. They were like, ah, going crazy. We're all like, God. We were whooping that ass, in whooping that ass going house. into halftime. Carlos, Carlos looking at the girl like, what's up? What's up? And she was there all quiet, like whatever. And then as soon as they did the comeback touchdown to put him in the lead, she turns around. Carlos had his head down like this. She went, move, slapped the head off his head. And the best part, I I believe it was Shockey that that caught the the go ahead touchdown. Dude, I missed that. Our Shockey own, our own Hurricane, our old Miami Hurricane caught caught a touchdown to beat the Miami Dolphins. No, well, that's what happens. He always yeah. he would get torch right. us every time he played us. Torched. I feel like every karma. time he played like in Miami. That is like karma. I'm <laughs> <laughs> fucking shit at football games, Carlos. He can get slapped. No more talking. But hey, I, I mean I've this week it. has been crazy. But I do. You know what I forgot to do last episode, Danny? What? We forgot to talk about the UFC. I was fairly disappointed. Oh, nah, man. It's all good. No the one from this Saturday? Yeah, I wanted to hear what was going on. What the hell, man? Yeah, man. So uh, if you guys don't know, this is, uh, he's actually a commentator for the UFC. His name is Paul Felder. So he's a commentator, and I, I call him the Irish Joe, uh, the Irish, um, the Irish Cormier. Because what he does is that he cormeates and he's a badass inside the octagon. So think about this. He was supposed to be there on the last night commentating on the fights as of last Saturday. The main event drops and falls through. So you're talking about a really good fight that was supposed to happen at 155 pounds. And now with five days uh, from the card, the other dude can't come. He can't make it. Paul Felder says, okay, I can make it. He was wearing, He was weighing at 170 pounds when he accepted on Saturday. He had five days to make weight and he made 155 on the money. He cut the 15 pounds to fight this dude. And he was supposed to be commentating the night of the fights. He was, he was supposed to be calling this fight. It was not supposed to be him. And he's in there in the main event. And he went all five rounds. He went all five rounds, tooth and nail, just throwing bombs at this guy. 
And unfortunately for Felder, Dos Anjos is just that much more of a warrior because he started clipping him and busted his face, took him down, really worked the jiu-jitsu really, really good. Like, this fight was one for the ages, man. Like, yeah, the, uh, Felder didn't win, but, bro, stepping in there last minute against Dos Anjos, cutting the 15 pounds and putting on that war is just some next-level heroic shit. Like, that's epic shit. And, and bro, at the end of the fight, they were both, like, beat up. It was it was back and forth gruesome. Man, just just one of the best main events to end the year. And we still have an amazing card coming up next week. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko, one of the best females on the planet. Got to check her out. Like, the UFC right now is putting up a hell of an ending to this year, man. I know it's been crazy for a lot of people, but their main events are amazing. Like, they've been – so, UFC right now, to me – I don't know how like the sport, I mean, it's getting a lot of popularity, but I think it should be more because while everything else was closed and these people were putting on hella shows, man. And dude, like the, the, the display of heart you see from fight night to fight night, it's just insane. I recommend you guys uh, check out the end of this year. It's nastiest knockout, also one of the nastiest knockouts I've seen in a long time. I think it was oh, Willi- Williamson, dude. right? Is that the guy's name? Williamson? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was, was dope. That, that was crazy. Was out cold. But no, but these cards, man, like no big names, but you get like these fights. That you're like, what the hell are we seeing tonight? It's like fight after fight after fight. It's just like insane stuff. You'll see all kinds of stuff. You'll see like amazing submissions on the ground. You'll see people who just are like coming out of nowhere, just outstriking people. You're like, how did nobody expect this person to win? And right, the sport right now, the matchups are insane. Like, oh, it's just amazing. Anyway, that's the update in the UFC. I love it. I, I don't watch it as often as as, as I should. But dude, when I but, hear from Danny, oh, it gets me excited. So we'll, we'll, dude, we'll these you, fights are... Uh, you an MMA guy, Zach? Go watch UFC a little bit or no? Uh, no, I never really got into it. Um, I, 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 we did a lot of MMA type stuff in the Marine Corps, but I, I didn't really, never really got into it. And now my problem now is that not, not really an interest part. It's when they, when they do them a lot. They're usually late at night. I've got kids, so it's, uh, it's not uh, ideal timing, and I'm not. I don't have. I'm not going to pay for pay for you, and I have to pay for diapers right now. So, <laughs> it's uh, no, totally, uh, totally understandable, man. I did. I totally did. I will say this though: there was the one a couple of weeks ago that was free on ESPN. I did watch that one, and I I was kind of impressed to see some of the the fights, and um, it was or I think it was boxing. I don't think it was at UFC, but uh, uh, I I definitely can see myself in the future being more interested. I will say that, but I haven't had a chance to. When my kids get a little bit older, I'll have a little bit more free time. <laughs> Yeah, there was that Russian boxing fight recently, Emilenko or something like that. That that amazing. That wasn't a good. That was a really good event in boxing. But yeah, man, try to catch the ESPN Plus ones. Um, they're they're actually pretty good, man. If you if if you can put the kids to bed and you're chilling, it's really a show, man. It's crazy good. And check out Danny's YouTube channel, man. He explains it very well, and he knows his stuff. I do breakdowns. It's M M A for fighting. So M M A D E for fighting. Um, right. he, just he made, made for everything. fighting with an extra M. He makes it made for fighting with it. Yep. for sure, for sure. But l- let me guess, Danny, no true shit or bullshit tonight. This week, true shit or bullshit. I don't have any, man. I haven't had any for a minute. It's been crazy. We got it. We got it. We got to get three. We used to Zach. Danny does his, at the end of the show. He comes up with these stories. I don't know where he gets them from Mother Goose or something like that. I don't know what's going on. But some of the stuff is hilarious, and we have to guess if it's true or false. And it's a lot yeah, of fun. I come, up with, I, I come up with a crazy story, and you got to guess whether it's something that might have happened in the news this week or if it's just something I made up. But sometimes the shit I make up is really random, and it could be, it sounds even, it's more believable. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes the news is not believable. So, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, in closing, Zach, thank you so much for coming on and, and, and clearing up all that COVID stuff. Cause I mean, we don't, we kind of, we could speculate, we could talk what's going on, but, but to have someone that actually knows what's going on, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I enjoyed listening. 
Yo, absolutely. And uh, it's okay. We know you have to be a Missouri guy. It's all right. We we get it. You have the shirt on. We respect you. Even though I'm a Gator. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I it think, is a pretty cool logo. It is, I think it it's is. one of the better college football logos. And I'm not kissing it, but because he's uniforms here. Uniforms are pretty it cool. It is one of the better... It is one of the better college logos. I will say that. I will say that. There, you've got my respect with the logo. And I will go for them one time a year. Do they play hey, Florida? Do they, no. When they uh, do they play Alabama? Uh, we 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 got we got we lost Alabama already. We we don't play them very often in football, but um, we play them, of course, on the other sports every year. But uh, they're on the other division, so we only see them. Uh, every three or four years, or something like that. Four, oh, four okay. five years. Yeah, that's why I was like, I don't know. Because they're in against the- Florida. My sister graduated from UF, so I don't hate them. I, um, I grew up in Tennessee. Ball, went to Tennessee, so I have no love lost for the Florida oh, Gators oh, in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> that's okay, uh, though. Yeah, but see, but see, it shows that you could still get along with somebody and not have hatred. It's okay, unless. They play each other. Then, you know, it's a different story. Different story altogether. But, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. Hope to have you on again. We'd love to have you on during basketball season to talk a little bit about what's going on there and and, and what you think could possibly go on. Danny, Carlos, it's always a pleasure. You guys are happy. You got the Dolphins win. The Bills lost. These guys need to go out and drink tonight for sure. Uh, I drank enough last night. Thanks. Oh, yeah. You're making uh, tamales or something, right? No, not tamales. (laughs) Empanadas. I'm making empanadas with uh, some sort of vessel with meat in it. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same thing with meat in it. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) But guys, thank you so much. We appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget, check us out at Game on Everyone on Twitter, at Game on Sports Podcast on Instagram. I think we're going to stream a couple times this week. That's up to you guys on Twitch. We got to do it. Got to get that PS5. Got to get that PS5 going. What is your schedule like this week, Carlos? Uh, I'm going to be working a, a lot, like probably six days a week Seven starting Monday. Week. That's all right. We'll, 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 we got Danny. He can carry me in Apex. We're good. It's all good. I'm going to say we hit that hit that 9 o'clock slot tonight. Let me know. <laughs> I'll let you know. But, guys, thank you so no, much. Have I might a be good, done. Have a good week. He's making Better them nodas. No, no Apex for him. Have a good one, Zach. Thank you for coming <laughs> on, man. We'll be in touch, buddy. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Good luck to the pins. Thank you, man. Thanks.